Welcome everyone to the Tuesday Bible study. It's 6.59. We can get started with a word of prayer. We can get started with a word of prayer. What's that? Sun Timurela. Hi, how are you? Welcome to the Tuesday Bible study. We can get started with a word of prayer before we begin. Father, we thank you for this day that you've given us. We thank you for yet another day that you've given us to study your word. Holy Spirit, we commit tonight's session into your hands. We pray and we ask for your leadership and your guidance. Reveal the word to us. Give us revelation. Give us understanding. Give us insight in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Powerful. Welcome. I've never seen you on the Tuesday Bible study, but it's nice to have you. Welcome. I hope you enjoy. Okay, so last week we ended on Romans 12, verse 3, where we were talking about identity, basically. If you remember well and if you remember correctly, we were talking about John the Baptist and how he was a person who stayed in his lane. And we're actually at the place where he was actually starting to teach and he was starting to preach. And he was talking to different people in different sectors of employment. He was talking to tax collectors. And he saw that John the Baptist's ministry was very broad and it was very wide and there's a wide range of people. And then... Yeah, we we're basically talking about identity. So now we're starting session 50 today. And we are starting in the book of John, chapter 1, verse 19 to 28. Where now we see John actually working, walking in his purpose. And he is bearing witness to Christ, which is ideally what he came to do. Since we started learning about this man from the very first of the first, this is idea. This ideal was his purpose. So finally, we're getting to see him do it. So John chapter 1, verse 19 to 28. Hi, Sangung. Okay. So I'm going to read verse 19 to 28, and then we're going to come back and pick some points. It's going to be a bit lengthy, but I'll try to read as fast as I can. Okay. John chapter 1, verse 19, a voice in the wilderness. That's the subtitle. Now this is the testimony of John. When the Jews sent priests and Levites from Jerusalem to ask him, who are you? Verse 20, he confessed and he did not deny, but he confessed, I am not the Christ. And they asked him, what then are you, Elijah? What then are you? Are you Elijah? He said, I am not. Are you a prophet? He answered, no. They said to him, who are you that we may give an answer to those who sent us? And what do you say about yourself? He said, I am the voice of the one crying in the wilderness. Make way this, make straight the way of the Lord. As Isaiah the prophet said, now those who were sent were from the Pharisees, and they asked him, saying, Why then do you baptize if you are not the Christ, Elijah, or the prophet? John answered to them, saying, I baptize with water, but there stands one among you who you don't know. It is he who is coming after me and is preferred before me, whose sandal strap I am not worthy to lose. These things were done in Bethbara beyond the Jordan where John was baptizing. That's very interesting. I love that scripture. John chapter 1 verse 19 to 28. So we know essentially we're seeing John is actually working in his purpose now. And as he's starting his ministry, as he's doing this and that, we find him in a very interesting position. In a very interesting position because ideally John was a person who was sought after by the crowds. The people loved him. The people loved him because he was honest. The people loved him because he literally told them the truth. They considered him a prophet. Because we see that later on when they are contemplating whether or not to hang him. One of the reasons they sort of decide not to kill him was because 
they're saying because the people consider him as a prophet. So Jomo had a really gigantic ministry. So now we find him in a very interesting time in his life where the Pharisees, right? They send people to ask John, who exactly are you? What what is your identity? Of course, they saw him and they saw the ministry was growing and they saw him doing doing so many things. But then they get to the point where they're asking him now, who exactly are you? And that's one of my favorite parts of the Bible. So I'm going to read what I wrote here. It says, John's ministry was such a success and he was such a prominent figure that as we saw in the previous verse, people started thinking that he was the Messiah. Like we read in the previous verse, John is now in a place where people have so many questions about his identity. Who is this guy? And a lot of people were now confused. People started to think maybe he is the Messiah that Israel has been waiting for, right? But, okay, now we find the Jewish leaders seeking clarity on John's identity. They asked him who he was, and I love his response. I read his response. Should we go to the verse? It says, and I love how the Bible says, he did not fail to confess. John the Baptist actually got the news like, I, I, I am not the Messiah. I don't know if people think I am, but I am not the Messiah. The Bible says, he did not fail to confess, but he confessed freely that I am not the Messiah. And this brings us back to that point of emphasis that we dealt with a few weeks back. We were talking about knowing what you're not. Oftentimes we're taught about knowing who you are, know who you are, who are you in Christ, who are you as an individual, what is your purpose? But I feel like knowing what you're not is equally as important because John was able to stand in this place and say, these people are asking him, are you this, are you that? And he was able to say, actually, no, I'm not that person. I know the person you guys think I am, but I'm not that. And one of the things that I love or that I always find fascinating about this particular section of John's life is I always imagine a scenario where, suppose he was a person who was not... um, was not set or settled in his identity and he had fallen for the trap to actually want to even already thought a lot of people already thought he was the messiah so he could have very easily claimed to be that and no one would have come apart from maybe jesus no one would have come to actually confront him you see so everything the cards were in order and he could have very easily lied about his identity but i love that even in a situation like that where it was easy for him to lie but the funny thing is, if he had lied about his identity, when Jesus actually showed up on the scene, he was going to be proven to be a fraud. But he stood in his identity. And the sad thing about this contrast about John the Baptist being able to know what he is not, is it, it mirrors every, things we see in everyday society. A lot of us, unfortunately, we are living lives where we are shadows of ourselves. We are living lives where we are photocopies of other people. We are living lives where we like, what's something that T.D. Jake said? He said, a lot of you guys are, are photocopies of great originals and that will not serve you, right? So I already that sadly, this is the life a lot of us live in this generation. We are cheap imitations of people and a shadow of ourselves. What I love, one of the things I love the most about John the Baptist was he was a person who was set in his identity. It doesn't matter who asked him. These are the Pharisees. He could have given himself a high and mighty title and said, you know what, I'm a great prophet. I was sent from God. Like we read in that verse, that some people knew, actually knew that John was sent from God. So he could have given himself a high and a mighty identity. But he comes and he says, he says, the Bible says he did not fail to confess that I am not the Messiah. And I'm likening this to what we face in day-to-day life. A lot of us, we fail to confess who we are. 
because we don't know who we are and we don't know what we're not. We walk in life as shadows of ourselves. People can ask you, can you do this? You, you can do anything because you have no sense of identity in and of yourself. Like what I was saying, we, we are cheap imitations of other people because a lot of us have not taken aside the time to discover ourselves. We've discovered everything. You know your friends, you know your parents, you know everyone, but you don't know yourself. And because of that, you are walking a life as a shadow of yourself and you will not be impactful. That's the unfortunate thing sometimes about life. I was listening to this teaching by Dr. Masman and he was saying that you will never be impactful if you live outside the vision that God has for you. There's a vision that you have for yourself. That's a nice vision. But then as long as you are outside the confines of the vision that God has for you, your impact will always be limited in life. Your impact will always be limited. You can even lead yourself into strange and dangerous territories. Some people even die because they are in lanes that are not theirs. When you walk in someone else's lanes, you you, you, you miss a lot of the things that God has in store for you in your lane. As I love to picture life as, you know, like running tracks. You have your lane. When you walk in that, everything that is aligned to you, the tests, the trials, the benefits, the whatever the word, the successes, the wins, everything that is good that God has planned for you, it is in your lane. But the minute you step out of your lane, out of your God-given purpose, out of your God-given vision, out of the place where God has called you, and you step into something else, your lane is empty. It needs you there. And you miss a lot of things that God has ordained for you in your lane. And God sometimes, if you notice in the Bible, God would always tell people to go to that land, go there. And from that place, then he will give you an instruction. Then he'll give you an instruction on what to take. What, what's the next step you can take? Likewise, a lot of us, sometimes we, we, we fail to get the next instruction because we are not in the right place. We're not positioned in the right place. Where is the place that God wants you to be? Are you positioned in that place? Right? And be a person who knows what you're not and know what you are. That's one thing I love about John the Baptist. And it's continuously echoed throughout this throughout his life. So many times he had so many windows that he could have easily lied that he was the Christ. He could have lied that he was something else. But instead he chose the path of humility. He chose the path to be able to sort of understand and to tell people, me, I'm not this person. I am this person. Okay, there's a comment from Pastor Any. Powerful insights. Walking in a lane is the great thing a person from, can do for themselves. So today what I want us to take from the first part is go back to your lane. Assess your life. What is the vision that God gave you for your life? If you don't have it, then pray and find out that vision so that you don't waste years of your life in a path or in a lane that is not yours, only for you to wake up and realize that you wasted so many years of your life in a path that was not assigned to you by God initially. And you'll always be exposed as a fraud when you walk in a lane that's not yours. Because ideally that lane is not yours. It has people that belong there. When those people arrive to, uh, to, 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 to act out or to walk in that lane, you're not supposed to be there. You will always be proven to be a fraud. So make it a point that you ask God his vision for your life. It's one thing to have a vision for your life as an individual, but God has a vision for your life. What is the path that God has chosen for you? Are you in that path? If you're not in the path, what are the things that are blocking you from walking in that path? It can be a career path. It can be a path maybe with regard to purpose. It can be a path with regard to jobs. It can be a path with regard to education. Are you walking in the path that God set for you?
And if not, what are the things that are blocking you from walking in that path? Always understand you will never be fulfilled if you live a life where you walk in a path that is not the path that God assigned for you. Beautiful. So we're done for that. Now let's go to verse 21. We're just going to read verse 21 again and then we're going to just reflate. Verse 21, and they asked him and said, What then are you? He said, I am not. What then are you, Elijah? He said, I am not. Are you a prophet? He answered, No. He said, I am not Elijah. I'm not a prophet. It brings us back to that point. One of the things I love about John is he knew what he wasn't. Okay. Verse 22 and 23. Now they ask him, who are you then? And he answers this question. I love this part of the Bible, this part of John's life, because John, John, ideally, this is very fast. This order is very fascinating to me because if you read from the introductions, we see that when John is introduced, maybe I think it's in the book of Malachi, he's introduced as someone who's coming in the spirit of Elijah. So these people are asking him, are you Elijah? Yes would have been a, actually a decent answer to that. Not entirely true, but it would have been, if he had said, yes, I am Elijah, it would have been a very fair answer. Because ideally, John came in the spirit of Elijah, like we read in the book of Malachi, or is it the beginning of the book we're reading of the book of John, right? And two, John actually was a prophet. John is recognized as a prophet by some of the authors of the Bible and some Bible scholars. He's recognized as a prophet. So these are very esteemed roles that these people were, were sort of giving to them. I, I, are you a prophet? No. Are you Elijah? He said, no. Are you the Messiah? No. What are you then? And I love how John's response, he answered, his response was, he could have given any answer, it would have been, it would have been correct actually. He could have said, oh, yes, I'm a prophet. God sent me, it would have been correct. But his response to this question was, he responded by quoting a verse in Isaiah where the prophet Isaiah spoke of him hundreds of years before he, he was even born. He, sp- he responded by quoting a verse that was spoken of about him in the word of God. Right? He knew who he was. That's it, I think a lot of things about John the Baptist's life, they point us to the fact that he was a man who knew who he was. These people, they come with fancy titles. They, they are trying to put fancy titles on him. And he walks in and he says, he doesn't even agree to the titles that they're giving him, which are somewhat correct. But he goes and he, he, he gives a very a response that is filled with wisdom. He goes back to the things that prophet Elijah said. And he said, remember that what, what Elijah said when he said, a voice that is crying in the wilderness, make he straight the path of the Lord. And that's who I am. He quoted a verse in the book of Isaiah, which was spoken of about him, right? He knew exactly who he was and he knew where exactly in the word of God it was spoken of about him. He knew the Bible first. He knew the verse where it was spoken of about him. That when these people came in, they were like, who are you? Tell us your identity. He didn't even take any other fancy titles that the people gave him. He didn't mind that the people call him a prophet. He's like, no. Back to uh, to, to the book of Isaiah 40 verse 3. They that's where you find my identity. That's who I am. The person that the prophet Isaiah spoke of, saying, make way the paths, make straight the way the paths of the Lord. I am that person and I am here, right? And this is so fascinating to me because he knew the part in the word of God that was written about him. There are so many things about us as individuals and as believers that are written in the word about us. There are things that are written in the word about you as an individual. Do you know those things? Right? 
Who are you according to the word? John knew his identity, not according to people. The people called him a prophet. He was he could have very easily said, Yes, I am a prophet. Right? He came in the spirit of Elijah, and people knew that. Some people knew that. He could have very easily said, Yes, I am Elijah. But instead, he chose the identity given to him by virtue of a word that came from God. He chose to quote the scripture where the scripture spoke of in the Bible, where it was spoken of about him. That's the scripture he came and he presented to these people who had questions about his identity, right? And I want us to sort of rally this back to ourselves because basically he found his identity in the word. He's like, in the word, in that verse, that's the verse that was talking about me. Now it comes back to us. Who are you according to the word? If we give you a Bible, can you find where it's written about you? It's fine. John the Baptist knew that Isaiah 40 verse 3 was about him. And he, and he was right. But if we give you the Bible, if we give you the word of God, can you find the part where it's written about you? Because that's the part that will change your life. That's the part that is your identity, right? What does the word say you are? Because the, the word has given us an identity. The minute you become born again, you have a whole new identity. But you have to discover it by reading the Bible. So if you don't know that identity, it's easy for you to be tricked and to be conned of things that are rightfully yours because you don't know that identity, right? And one of the funniest things about identity and identity in the word of God and finding identity in the word of God is someone can tell you maybe like, suppose you're 10, someone can tell you that your head is shaped like bread and you get to your 30s and you still remember that. Like, it's so egged in your mind that you can even look in the mirror and you see the bread shape. You remember it. And it's something that a human being said. But very rarely do we go back. God has said so much about us. God has said so much in his word. He said, you, you are fearfully and wonderfully made. He has said so many things. How many of those things do you remember? A lot of you, if you give you sheets of paper to say, tell us the insults that people have used to describe you or to make fun of you. Like, I'm a personality. Throughout high school, I was made fun of that I have a big forehead. And everyone has those things, and you remember those things. But now, you can remember even nicknames up from, from kindergarten, Krish. But then now, we want you to remember, find the part in the word of God where he talks about you. What do you know about what God has said about you? Fine, you know what people have said about you. Fine, people say your head is shaped like bread. Fine. But what do you know about your identity and what God has said about you? What about that? What do you know about that? If we give you a sheet of paper, can you list five things, only five, that God has said about you and your identity? It's very funny how we remember what some random people said a while back about who you are, about your identity. But we fail not only to remember, to even discover the things that God has said to us about our identity. Let me read what I wrote here, right? God has said you are fearfully and wonderfully made. And you don't even know whether it's written in the Bible. You don't. You, you don't make an effort to try and understand what exactly has God said about me. Let me put that in the back of my mind instead of the things that people are trying to assign to my identity. Be like John the Baptist. Find a way it's written about you. Every way that where the Bible describes a believer. You take that and you personalize it. This is about me. And you ingested into yourself and into your system right god has said you're fearfully and wonderfully made and you don't even know where that's written right you don't even know where the rest of that what the rest of that verse is but then you you can remember fully good and well when someone told you you had to shape like bread wild and another example that i love is the in the book of luke 421 
where Jesus is in the synagogue and he's teaching. And a scripture is opened and he reads it and he says to them, this day the scripture is fulfilled before your eyes because he's reading a scripture, he's reading a verse that was talking about him. He's literally reading a verse that was talking about him. He said, this day the scripture is revealed, he's reading that, it's in Luke, sorry, Luke 4, 21, where he's talking about, you know, I've, I've come so that I can set free the captives, restore sight to the blind, blah, 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 blah. That's what the scripture said. And he's now talking to the crowd and he's saying, this day this scripture has been fulfilled in your eyes. Why? Because he knew that this particular scripture in the word of God, it was speaking about him. And he was able to know that. So that's what I want to That's what I want to be the major takeaway for us today. Find anywhere in the word of God where it's spoken about you. Anyway. Basically, anywhere where it's spoken about when you're a believer in Christ or you're a new creation or whatever, it's about you. You take that and you personalize it. That's how we use the word of God. You take it and you personalize it. The minute you read the word of God in third person and you're thinking this person was poor, is talking to other people, it will not work for you. Take it and read it and say, this is being said to me. When God says you are faithfully and wonderfully made, he's talking to me. When he said, I when he says, I have called you by name, you are mine. I have loved you with an everlasting love and with loving kindness I have drawn you. Take that, personalize it. Hey, this is me, this is mine. This is something that God is saying to me. This is our key for today. Find somewhere in the word where it's written about you. And you take that verse. And you own it and you personalize it and you read it and you remind yourself. You take Psalms 34 verse 5. They looked to him and they were radiant and never ashamed. That's your identity. Radiance is your identity. You take that and you take that verse in some way it's written about you. Those are the verses that will change your life. The verses that you take from the Bible. Because the Bible is a love letter from God to us that you read. And you understand the mind of God towards you. You understand God's thoughts when he is creating you. And you you sink into that. And you take that and you personalize it. And it changes your life. The minute you read it and think it's for the next person, indeed it will be for the next person. But you have to take it and you have to use it as a way to validate yourself. So many times I feel like we place too much emphasis on the things that people say about us we place too much emphasis this person said i'm this this person said i'm that very rarely do we apply that same energy to the words that god spoke about us we we, we become so we have we have so much energy to, to 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 ingest and to shape and to try to understand why is this person saying this about me but very rarely do you stop and ask yourself what is God saying about me? Why don't I use this same energy to believe, to try to force myself to believe what God has said about me? Know what to validate and take in is what defines you. Don't be a person who takes too much of what people say to use that to validate yourself. Don't be that person. Know what to take to validate your existence, to validate who you are. Be like John, be like Jesus. Find where it's written about you in the word. And you use that as a tool of validation. What does the word of God say you are? The word of God says you're a, cho- a chosen generation. It says you're a royal priesthood, right? He says, with, with long life, I will satisfy you. He said, I have called you by name. You are mine. All these are verses. They're talking about you. 
and you have to take them and you have to ingest them. What does the word say you are? That's what I want to be the takeaway from this session today. When you read the word, what does the word say you are? Take that in. Repeat that to yourself over and over and keep telling yourself until it does something to your brain. Remember when we did the study on meditation and it actually showed that when you meditate, when people meditate, like just basic meditation on a Tuesday and people are just saying, I'm kind, I'm beautiful, I'm strong, I'm what, what. And we, I actually read for you guys that research that shows that that meditation and those positive confessions, they do something to your brain chemistry. So imagine now if you meditate with the part of the scripture that is written about you, with the part that God literally tells you that you are fearful and wonderfully made. It doesn't matter what the shape of your head is. It doesn't matter what everyone else is defining you as. God is coming and he's saying, I made you. And I'm telling you right now that you are fearfully and you are wonderfully made in every sense of your being. And you sink into that. And God helps you to see yourself the way that he sees you. And you appreciate yourself and you stop living a life as a shadow of other people. You stop living your life as a shadow of TDJs. You stop living your life as a shadow of anything. And you just walk in your life as yourself. I always say, if God wanted us all to be the same, God was very capable to make us all clones. If he wanted us to all be the same and react the same and act the same and speak the same, he could have just made us clones. But he made us so different find that ask god to help you to find the thing that makes you unique what makes you when god says i've i made you fearful and wonderfully what are some of the things that he made me in that knowledge or in that light that i can use to sort of reinforce that self-acceptance into my mind so i don't continuously walk in my life as a shadow of other people what does the word say you are read it the unfortunate thing is when you don't read the bible now you don't even know what you are the devil can send people friends family to come and give you an identity that is not even yours and because you you're not a person who reads the word you can take any identity because you don't know the identity that god gave you so you it, it, it comes back to reading the word read the word find out what god said about you Reread it to yourself over and over until it's in the back of your mind, like those insults that those people told you in high school. Read the word until it's back in the back of your mind like that, with that same ginger, right? And ask yourself, what does the word of God say I am? Revelation 1 verse 6 8 says, I have made you priests and kings. God has made you a priest and he has made you a king. The minute you're born again and you walk in this new life, you're, you're basically a prince and you're a king. But if you don't read it now, you don't know your identity, right? So he spoke the line in verse 26 a lot, that John the Baptist. The line that I'm not the Messiah, I'm not this. He was very vocal about his identity. Despite how he was a big deal, he said this as a constant reminder. I believe that he said this as a constant reminder to himself and the people around him. That the Christ was indeed greater than him. If you see a lot of the times that John the Baptist was describing his role with regard to the Christ, he always said something like, I, I'm not a, I'm, I'm, I'm even unworthy to untie his sandals. He always said, I believe one of the reasons why he said that was because he was trying to always remind himself, to put himself in a place of humility, to understand that in each and every moment, the Christ was greater. He was a man who was sent to pave the way, but the Christ was coming after him, but he was greater. And he knew that. 
and he kept saying that to remind himself. And he wanted that part to be crystal clear, not only to himself, but to the people around him, that the Christ is greater. I'm just a man who came to pave the way. And he walked in his identity, and he knew where the scripture was written of him. And that's where we leave it today. Find where the word of God writes about you. Read that over and over to yourself. It will make a difference in your life. The word of God tells us that the word of God is powerful. And it's sharper than a double-edged sword. It pierces the soul. It pierces the marrow of the bone. The word of God is strong. When you read it to yourself, you may feel like, it's, I, I don't feel anything. I don't feel any change. But best believe it's doing something. It's doing something. You will see after a bunch of time, after a period of time, you will see the way you think changes, the way you speak changes, the way you interact with people changes. You just step into a very different zone where you're essentially a different person. Not a different person entirely, but a different person. Like you change the way you act and the way you react. The word of God has that effect on people. So read it. Find what it says about you. And repeat it to yourself until you are convinced of it. And this is where we leave it today. Next week, if you want to read ahead, we are starting from John chapter 1, verse 29 to 34. Thank you to everyone for joining us for tonight's installment of the Tuesday Bible Study. I hope to see you next week, same time, same place. And